Hello, and welcome to All the Gospel, a sermon podcast from Kirksville Assembly of God. We are happy to have you as a part of our listening community. Thank you for joining us as we explore the Word together. Turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 1. Page 1. It should be page 1 if you've got page numbers on your pages in your paper Bible. Um, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. My thought is that we're going to work our way through Genesis 1 through 11, and then we'll see where we go from there. And I, again, have no idea how long this transition is going to last, but I figure I'd start at the beginning of the Bible and we'll just work our way through until we know what's happening. Um, But the Lord had laid it on my heart almost immediately um, when Pastor Jeff had said, and then the idea of me being able to speak. It's an honor. It truly is humbling uh, to be up here doing this. When I started teaching Sunday school the first time and kids were like taking notes on what I was saying, it it made me realize like, wow, their souls are being determined by the words that I say, you know, the heresy and fanaticism and those types of fallacies can all be problematic. But um, uh, I I try to take this real seriously and and I do enjoy studying the word and preaching it. Um, Happy Father's Day. It is Father's Day. So to all the fathers out there. Uh, and to all the men, I believe, there's a table set at the back, um, and I didn't see, are the cupcakes on it? Did it not, oh, they're out there? Okay. They're not out there. It's a, oh, it's, okay. It's a secret. The women have it. So I'm just going to be quiet. It's going to be taken care of. Good. So something will happen for Father's Day. Um, yeah. All right, let's just, this is why I just start. This is why, all right, Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 1 uh, in your Bible. Um, see, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but does life ever feel chaotic to anybody? Feels a little chaotic, a little overwhelming. And sometimes we're like doing things and we're working and we're doing and like uh, it feels like our efforts maybe are a little empty. It's like, what am I doing? I'm just like spinning my wheels. I don't know, maybe that's just me too. Um, the, the word overwhelmed came to mind. You know, we can feel overwhelmed by the chaos or maybe the chaos plus empty. How can something be full and at the same time empty? That's kind of the question that I was pondering. Uh, and I got to this word overwhelmed. I'm like overwhelmed. I know you can be overwhelmed. I know you can be underwhelmed, but I didn't know how to be whelmed. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know what whelm was. So I looked it up. I love words. Whelm is actually a seafaring term. And we Missourians were good seafaring people, close to the seas as we are. We got like three foot, three foot seas out at Forest Lake, and we've got the, the white waters on the Sheraton River. That's our seas. We, we're not a seafaring people, but it's a, to whelm is to overturn, to capsize, or be engulfed by waves, usually. So the idea of overwhelmed. A song came to mind from uh, my childhood, uh, flood by jars of clay, downpour on my soul, splashing in the ocean, I'm losing control, dark sky all around, I can't feel my feet touching the ground. And the question that I have, our culture has like answers to this. Oh, if you work hard enough, if you, if you get educated enough, if you're uh, involved in politics or got sports teams or something, there's there's like answers for these in the world that like, oh, if you do this stuff, then you can then you can relieve the chaos. But it just seems to me like the more we do these things, the more chaos 
and emptiness and wildness that happens as a result. We really aren't fulfilled by these things. So the questions that I had today, the questions for me as a, as a Christian really go back to two things. Well, who is God and where is God in this mess? And so that's where we're going to look at in Genesis chapter 1. So let's, let's read it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So it starts out in the beginning, a good way to start. The beginning actually implies a continuation. It's not like this is in the end, God created the heavens and the earth. So the word beginning implies that there is a, this is a starting point. And a starting point implies that there's going to be some process, some continuation from here. We also have the context of it because like the rest of the Bible comes after it. So a couple thousand more pages of stuff after the beginning. And we're just going to kind of camp out here in the beginning for a while. That's my idea. I think sometimes we just rush through these first two chapters of Genesis. We think, oh, that's a children's story. And we rush through it and we don't spend a lot of time. But I think that chapters 1 and 2 of Genesis really give us God's design for how things were supposed to be before people came in and messed it all up. So let's just camp out in chapters 1 and 2 for a while and see how that's supposed to be working. In the beginning, God. So this tells us a couple things about God already. We want to know, like, who is God? Well, the first thing we learn is God was there at the beginning, before the beginning. So God is eternal. Before the beginning, God. After the beginning, God. After the end, God. The Bible itself, here's a revelation for you, is about God. Now we Sometimes we get confused. We're like, no, it's about people. No, it's not about people. It's about God. It's about an experience with God. It's complex, concrete, con uh, complicated. It's connected. And the idea of the Bible is that we can actually experience God. Oh, we can take out our moral lessons if we want to. We can get a good ethic here and there. But the really the point of the Bible is that we can experience who God is. It is full of people, uh, but if you read the Bible, the people always mess it up. They always mess it up. Every person in there, except one. And in Revelation 22, 13, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last, the beginning and the end. So Jesus as God he, he says this about himself, that he is eternal. God is immortal, and it draws a stark contrast between our mortality. Uh, I don't know about anybody else if you're feeling a little bit mortal today, um, but I think that's, that's where it goes a bit. And also, in the beginning, God, God is doing a new thing here. God's doing a new thing. Isaiah 43, 19, Behold, I am doing a new thing. God speaking. Now it springs forth. Do you perceive it? Well, at this point in the Bible, no, because there are no humans yet. So no one perceives this, but God is doing a new thing at this point in the Bible. I will make a way in the wilderness and the rivers in the desert. So that way in the wilderness is going to become important for us as we look at this a little bit more. Then we see God created. We'll just take us like, Sean, if you're going to go through Genesis word by word, it's going to take like 400 years. So, yep, that's what we're doing today anyways. So God created, first of all, God, the, the word God here, it's a title, okay? The title is Elohim, uh, and that's the title we give for God. God won't be 
uh, named, like referred to by name until Genesis 2-4. So there you'll see, we'll talk about it, Yahweh Elohim. But Elohim is the title, God. Um, and so, like, bear with me for a moment, but which God is not specified in this verse? Okay? Now, just bear with me. It's not heresy yet. Okay. Which God is not specified in the verse? Of course, in context, we know which God this is talking about. But you have to think, Genesis was written about 3,500 years ago in the ancient Near East culture. So you've got a book that's written to a people that lives in a culture that is trying to figure out, like, how do we get here? Who are we? What are we doing here? The whole question's about everything. And it said this is an opening line. And, and so this is about God. And we know it's the God of the Bible. So it's not Marduk, the Babylonian God of creation, or Amnon, the, uh, the Egyptian God of creation. But at this point, if you were a fresh reader, you picked this Bible up, it was all dusty, dirty, never heard anything before it. You read these words and it's like, whoa, wait a second. Who's this God? Because this is different than the other accounts of Marduk and Amnon where they're like slaying other gods and bringing people out of the blood of the other people to be their slaves and servants. This God is different than those gods. So, just a little side note there. And we learned some things about God. It's hard to keep your Bible open on page one. Use my elbow. So, we learned some other things about God from this as well. God created. So God is the creator. What created God? Well, God's not created. God is the uncreated creator of the universe. Now, before you say, well, duh, Sean, we know that. You, again, remember, this was written at a time where people were trying to figure out why we're here. And in case you haven't noticed, we still live in a time where people are trying to figure out why we are here. Why is there something rather than nothing? And this fact sets up the rest of the biblical account that God is creator. God is the creator. Like He'll get a lot of other titles and things, but the first thing we know about God is that He's the creator. As a creator, we know He's creative. He didn't have to create anything. That boggles my mind. He didn't have to create us. He didn't have to create anything. Seems like a lot of work. So God is creative. God is also all-powerful. Think about this. One definition of power is the ability to make something of the world. Power is the ability to make something of the world. We all have power in that sense. We can make something of the world, good or bad. This is a future sermon, so I won't get carried away, but we all have power. But that's to make something of the world. All power is the power to make the world. That's big. That's all of it. So all-powerful. And then he also did it by himself. He is the one and only God. He, he did not have a God of thunder, a God of chaos. He did not have a goddess of the sea or fertility. There are no other gods listed here. He did not need help with this. He didn't have to, you know, kill time or kill chaos with time. There's a bunch of myths about the way that... that the world was created to what we're doing here, but God did it all by Himself. In fact, 1 Corinthians 8.6, we'll refer to this two times. Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. 
We do get into some of the intricacies of the Trinity, but I'll save that as well for a, a future date. Actually, tonight our small group will be discussing the Trinity if you are interested. So what is the application? We know that God created all this. Uh, he's eternal. He's creative. He's all-powerful. Well, the application, we worship Him. He alone is worthy of worship. Anything less, Worshiping anything less than God is going to be substandard. A waste. Empty. Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Psalm 96.4-5, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. And the word gods there is actually the same word, Elohim. I won't do too many Hebrew words. There's just a few. For all the Elohim of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made heaven and the earth. See, the the idols didn't make anything. They are actually made. They didn't make anything. But we worship the God who created it all. It's why we gather in community as the church. It's why we take time in the morning and in the evening to study and pray and read the Word and to worship God. It's also a stern warning against idolatry. 1 Samuel 12.21 Do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. So what we have is the God of the Bible... Versus the gods of the nations. The God of the Bible versus the gods of our nation. Gods of money, sex, power, pleasure, escape. Those gods are still active. I mean, we don't refer to them as gods, but it's what they're doing, right? When we worship those things, we're distracting ourselves from the worship of the one true almighty God that created all this. So let's direct our worship towards the one true God creator of heaven and earth. A little homework. Jeremiah 10, 11 through 16, a pretty stern condemnation on um, on idolatry in Psalm 33. These would be good things to uh, to ponder in terms of a little bit of homework. Moving on in our text, the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. This is an expression of totality. It's not like he created just two things. But it's an expression of everything. Again, 1 Corinthians 8, 6, For there is for us one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things. So we know all things are created by God. What could we possibly need besides God? You need food? God provides. You need shelter or clothes? God provides. You need money? God provides. Okay, but... Maybe not like raining down money. Fix an analogy there. But this is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6, 25-33. He says, be anxious for nothing. God provides. Think of the lilies. Aren't they not clothed in beauty? Think of the sparrows. Does God not provide for them? Everything we need is provided by God, and we get caught up in this rat race trying to get ourselves stuff, and God is provided little footnote, I'm not talking about just going and like, let's just be a bunch of hippies out in the, um, you know, out in the bush somewhere living in tree houses and things like that. Like, we're, like you live, we live in, but understand what I'm saying, that the source of all it's like, why do we pray for food? It's like, I went to the store. I bought this cereal. I bought this milk. God didn't provide this. You got to think a little further than the store. Okay. That's what we're getting at here is that all of this, all of this is provided by God and by His grace and His goodness as we sing in the song. 
the earth, we find out a little bit more. God created the heavens and the earth. He created it all, everything we have. You know what? Actually, this is not in my notes. I gotta quit doing this. Um, I think about cell phones and like lithium batteries and things that God at this moment in creation was like, ah, we're gonna have to put a little lithium in there because in 20, whatever, they're gonna need some lithium for their cell phones and their electric cars. So God creates lithium. Like, that's foreknowledge. That's okay. That was free, not in the notes. Okay, so the earth was without form and void. Uh, it didn't have lithium. Uh, so the earth was without form and void. Again, I apologize if you don't like me talking about Hebrew words, but the, this is a cool one. Tohu vavohu. Without form and void. The Hebrew is tohu vavohu. It's actually two words. One, tohu, is waste, wasteland, wilderness, a place of chaos, a place of confusion. Is that first word. It gets translated in... in the ESV that I'm using, and in a lot as uh, a lot of translation as without form. So, but wasteland, or I'm kind of catching on to that chaos part. And then bohu is the second one, which is translated void, but emptiness or waste. It kind of gives us a little bit more to work with when we look at the full range of how these words can be used. So, the one way to translate it besides without form and void would be a wild wasteland or to think of it as chaos and emptiness. And so that's kind of the way that I'm going to look at it today. So I want you to think he's created the heavens and the earth, but they are chaotic and empty. They are a wild wasteland. Now, before you start picturing, see, my mind goes to like, I wonder what the universe looked like then. Was it a ball of gas? You know, was it cloudy? What was it going on? I don't think that is necessarily what the author is trying to get at here. Okay, so we just, like, let's just take it at face value a little bit and think. God created everything, but it was without form and void. So I want you to picture laundry. Anybody got laundry to do at home? Maybe like me, it's just piled up. You pull it out of the dryer, and it is without form and void. Okay. That's what we're talking about. I think that's what we're getting at here. So my picture of the cosmos is not planets and stars. It's laundry. All the socks, all the t-shirts, all the shorts, all the towels are there, but they are without form and void. They are a waste, usually of my time. You ever try to find a pair of socks in a pile of laundry? What are we doing? Okay, so what is the laundry waiting for? It's waiting to be folded. It's waiting for order and purpose in its existence and that, and then to be put into drawers where it is no longer without form and void. It is folded and has purpose and has meaning. And that's, I think, what we're getting at here. Uh, what we have is, is a chaotic, disordered uh, cosmos, universe, um, and, and, and God's going to do something with it. We all know yet. That's next week, so you got to come back. All right, so the laundry will be made good when it's all folded and ordered and put into drawers. Deuteronomy 32, 10, and 11, this is going to be God folding some laundry. God found Israel in the howling waste of the wilderness. So same words there. Encircled him and cared for him. So something happened there. God folded his laundry like an eagle that stirs up its nest and flutters over its young. We'll come back to that verse. But he finds them in the waste and then encircles them and cares for them. God's folding their laundry. 
There's also an unfolding of laundry. Uh, we see God dumping out drawers in the flood account, which we'll get to in a few weeks. The people have been just stuffing clothes into their drawer like a kid, you know? They're just like, oh, I'll put away my clothes, like wherever. You got socks in the shorts drawer, and that's just how kids do it. It's chaos. They're pretending that it's order, okay? In the flood account, this is what they're doing. And so God comes in, and he's like, this is what you want to do? God calls it corruption, okay? And he like just takes the drawers, and he dumps it all out. Think of the flood story. He just undoes creation and lets the waters flood back in. So God is unfolding. He's returning the world to wild and waste, to chaos and emptiness. So the world was uninhabitable because God had not yet made it ordered and functioned for habitation. That's what God calls good in, in the next verses, which we'll get to. Isaiah 45, 18, For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, He is God, who formed the earth and made it, he established it. He did not create it to be empty. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. So God created something out of nothing and then began to shape it from its raw chaos into a form that reveals His glory. It's Father's Day. I've got one specific Father's Day application. You ready for it? Go home and do the laundry. It is godly. Fold it and put it away. But seriously, yeah, wives are like, this is good. I'm taking notes now. We should be, think about this, we should be shaping the chaos of life into forms that reveal the glory of God. Just like God did. God, laundry is a small thing, but don't, let's start small sometimes. Begin to shape the chaos of life into something that reveals the glory of God. Imagine a house. Imagine a house with me for a second. Maybe just close your eyes and imagine this house, especially people with small uh, chaos monsters, children. Imagine a house where everyone in it is trying to bring order to the chaos and fullness to the emptiness. Wow. But it starts, it starts, like children are chaos monsters. They can't help it. Like they, I, but it starts with godly parents. And like, I, I know, like not all of us are fathers or have children, but it just starts with godly people. You know, moms can do this too. It starts with godly people who are willing to bear that burden on themselves. Now, folding laundry might not bring you closer to God, but I do think there is something in that. To the, to the chaos, and we'll see more on that next week. Be, it'd be awesome. Now, imagining the house, it would be awesome. But what keeps us from doing it? Let's press on. And darkness was over the face of the deep. So what keeps us from doing, what keeps us from bringing this chaos to order? Well, the darkness was over the deep. Now, a little side note, again, something for next week. You're going to have to come back. The deep here refers to, oh, and the waters later, it'll say uh, that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So we've got the deep and the waters. Um, these are images that are more fully explained in verse 7, uh, where it talks about the waters above and the waters below. And we'll get to that next week, and I'll have to draw some pictures. Um, but that's, so we can kind of move that. But the darkness part, 
I want to focus on. Why was it dark? Because there was no light. It's not a funny, it's not even a joke, it's just like a fact. But it, the chaos, the confusion, the emptiness were all there. Isaiah 8.22, And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. Angela said it already this morning. She talked about kind of the chaos of the world. We see that. So why don't, why don't we affect this? Why, 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 what keeps us from bringing order to the chaos? I think there's three big reasons why we don't or can't do this. One, we've given up or cut ourselves off from the rest of the world because it's too chaotic. So we see the world, it's chaotic, we see it, but it's like, ah, I'm, nope, I'm out. I'm not going to get involved in that. So we withdraw, cut ourselves off physically. We may, like a hermit, you know, we're just going to like live in a secret place and dwell, um, not connected to the world. Or we withdraw emotionally from the world. I'm not going to participate emotionally. I'm not going to get in, attached to anything. I'm not going to become emotionally attached to this chaos. Or we chemically withdraw. Um, we, we use all kinds of substances that we can use to, to mitigate the chaos in the world. Or we intellectually withdraw from the world. Like we don't want to challenge ourselves to hear other perspectives. Just like, give me my one perspective and that's fine. Don't, don't like confuse, don't bring in chaos. So we intellectually withdraw and we cut ourselves off from the rest of the world. Why else might we not be changing the chaos? Two, uh, we don't know how to change it. We don't know how to change it. See, I think about even this morning, I like things to be a certain way. I like things to be done a certain way. And when, uh, when they are not done a certain way or in a certain amount of time, I get frustrated and angry. So even this morning, I was trying to get Pierce to turn off the television to go brush his teeth. And he wouldn't do it. Oh, it's, I want to brush my teeth. I just wanted to watch the television show. I just want to watch chicken hair. I don't even know what kind of crazy stuff we even watch. Chaos. And so my reaction to this, unfortunately, um, when things aren't going my way, I get a little angry and frustrated. It's like, just go brush your teeth. Get up and go. You know. Uh, and in my effort to bring order to this situation, I actually bring more chaos into this situation because I do not know the words to say to this seven-year-old boy that would make him want to turn off chicken hair to go brush his teeth. I do not know those words. I do not know what order to put those words into that would make him want to do this thing. And this is the trouble. We don't know how. And that's just a child. This little chaos monster child, just, he's not doing anything wrong. He's not evil. He's just doing, he just wants to watch his show. And here I am trying to get him to do something good. So I feel like this is God to us a lot of times. What are you watching? <laughs> what are you doing? Go do this other thing. Ah, God, that's going to be terrible. I don't want to brush my teeth. And, He's like, it'll be better for you because you're not going to get, you're not going to get like cavities. You know, there's all these good things that will happen, but we don't want to do it. It's like, behold, I'm doing something new. I don't want to do something new. I want to keep watching my show. 
just want to keep living my life the way I want to live my life. And God's like, come on, I got something better for you. No, it's going to be terrible. So we don't know how to change the chaos. Or third, we're just too small to do it ourselves. We feel that smallness. The world is big. How can I help? Vladimir Putin has invaded the Ukraine, and it's messing up our world economy and everything. What am I supposed to do? I'm just one person. So we can't bring order to the chaos, and we can't fill the emptiness of our own strength, or in our own strength. But you know who can? Let's finish the verse. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Waters again. The Spirit of God was hovering. In Deuteronomy 32.11, we had that picture of the eagle over its nest, fluttering over the nest. That word hovering is that same word that's translated there as fluttering. We've got this like bird image and this eagle image of the Spirit. And it, it, it really means not just to hover, like we think of like, you know, a, I think of a Harrier. I don't know how many people know a Harrier or a helicopter. Hovering, just like it's stationary but floating around. This hovering is as to cherish young birds in their nest, as we see in Deuteronomy 32.11. So we've got this chaotic, empty world of darkness and confusion and you know what? The Spirit of God is hovering. There's an anticipation here. And I think sometimes we read the Bible too fast. We just plow through this. And we never take this moment to say, oh, wait. Something's about to happen here. It's chaos. It's darkness. It's emptiness. It's void. It's waste. It's wilderness. But the Spirit of God is hovering. Spirit there, the word for spirit is ruach, breath or wind, like an eagle that stirs up its nest, flutters or hovers over its young, spreading its wings out, catching them, bearing them on their feathers, like a mighty rushing wind that was hovering over the upper room in Jerusalem. What chaotic situation do you have in your life today? The Spirit of God is hovering. The church during this transition... A time of confusion and chaos and we don't know what's happening, but the Spirit of God is hovering. Global economic, political, health crises. The Spirit of God is hovering. Personal issues that nobody knows about that we cry ourselves to sleep over every night. The Spirit of God is hovering. In the darkness, when in the waters when we feel like we're drowning, the Spirit of God is hovering. In the chaos, the Spirit of God is hovering. In the emptiness, the Spirit of God is hovering. The Spirit of God does not see emptiness and chaos. The Spirit of God sees the potential and the opportunities in that moment to do something great in our lives. The Spirit's desire, though, is not just to remain hovering. The Spirit's desire is to move in. Prior to day one, the Spirit of God was active, was hovering over this non-functional cosmos. God was involved, but had not yet taken up His residence. That'll be next week. 
But the cosmic temple of creation, the place of God's presence in creation, wasn't activated until God took up his residence on the seventh day, which we'll get to. Where Genesis 1 is alluding to this like creation temple, this cosmic temple, we know now that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we can allow the Spirit to take up residence in our life, in our soul, and in our heart to start to make some sense out of the chaos and turmoil that just exists within inside our own spirit. Well, let's not even think about the laundry yet. we got to take care of our own spirit first and let the Spirit in to start to work as the Spirit does. Or maybe you once did, you once did let the Spirit in, but the chaotic waters of life have flooded back in. And you've let the emptiness of life fill your heart. And it's pushed out the Spirit. Doubt and despair have filled your heart again. But this is why Jesus came. You know where, where else the Holy Spirit was hovering? Like a dove over the baptism of Jesus. That really is a picture of creation right there. It, it, it intentionally there is, as Matthew and those guys are, are drawing that picture up, they're writing that picture up, they're going straight back to Genesis 1 to say, look what's happening here. This is the moment of creation. Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. The Spirit sends, it's actually reverse. Uh, the, it was wilderness. The Spirit creates something. But the Spirit leads Jesus out into the wilderness, the wild and the waste, the chaos and emptiness before he started his ministry. Jesus is the light in the darkness. We see that the, the earth was, uh, there was darkness over the face of the deep. But Jesus responds to that Isaiah quote about himself. He says, people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And in John, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have eternal life. Jesus is the light in the darkness. And Jesus is the restorer of God's creation. Just think about the miracles for a second. The miracles of Jesus as turning something that was dysfunctional or something that didn't have a function, turning it back into the proper functioning according to God's original design. Blind eyes that should be functioning, but are not, are restored to proper function. Limbs that were lame were restored to strength. Ears that were deaf, Jesus restored to hearing according to God's original design. He restores order to this world, not by force, but through faith, not by legislation, but by love, not by riot, but by reconciliation. Not by complaining, but by compassion. Not by posting, but by peacemaking. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. This is why we give our lives to Jesus. This is why we dedicate our lives to somebody who walked the earth 2,000 years ago. And why we spend our Sunday mornings studying a book with parts of it written 3,500 years ago. Because it matters. And we know that Jesus is the restorer of creation. He's the light in the darkness. And He is God with us. How then should we live? 
Jackson around? Does he want to come and play the keyboard for me? Oh, okay, the thing that was a secret that I never said anything about. I, what are you even talking about? I forgot. So if we, yeah, just come and play some chords. So we can't do it ourselves. We can't make sense of the chaos ourselves, but we know that God can. And we can do this through our giving our lives over to Jesus, the creator, the store. Just, yeah, ignore his attire. He just flew in this morning from St. Louis, so apologies. Uh, so we give our lives to Jesus because it's who he is, the light and the darkness, the restorer of creation. How then should we live when we give our lives to Jesus? Instead of cutting ourselves off and instead of giving up, build relationships. Build relationships. Don't cut yourself off. Build relationships. God is relational and he designed you to be relational as well. And sometimes just being there is enough. The Spirit was over the chaotic waters, hovering. Jesus was on the boat over the chaotic waters, asleep. Jesus was over the chaotic waters without a boat, taking a walk. Just being there for somebody. Even when things get chaotic or life feels empty, the greatest gift we can give people is to be there for them. So, don't quit on this church just because we're going through a transition. We need you all now more than ever, to be completely honest. Don't step down. Step up. We can be the church. We can still be the church. It's always been about the people. It's always been about the people. When we say we don't know how, what do we do? Be creative. We serve a creative God. And this is, I mean, it could be like, I'm going to paint some pictures and color some things. And, but be creative, not destructive. It's easy to be destructive. It's easy to lean into the chaos. It's easy to lean into the emptiness and point it out. Oh, this is messed up. Oh, that's messed up. Fight that tendency. Be creative. How can you build people up? How can we create something? It's the idea of speaking life instead of speaking death. The Ten Commandments, the Golden Rule, the Beatitudes, they're great ways. Uh, when we don't know how to do something, great easy places to go to be like, oh, okay, this is helpful. Because really what they're trying to do, the Ten Commandments, the Beatitudes, the Golden Rule, they're trying to, at the root, trying to return proper function to God's creation from his people up and out. And we say we're just one person. But you know what? So is Jesus. True, he was a supercharged, Holy Spirit-led God-man. He has special powers. But he changed the hearts of 12, I don't even want to say ordinary. He changed the hearts of 12 down and out, illiterate, backwater, hillbilly fishermen 
that changed the world so much that even today we still spend our Sunday mornings here studying the Word of God. And after Pentecost, we can become supercharged, Holy Spirit-led God people. We're not God like Jesus, but just people. And really, we aren't just one person anyways. You look around the room, we are not one person. The sentence makes no sense grammatically. We cannot be one person. The trouble is how we live because we are the body of Christ. Last week, Pastor talked about drawing some circles. Put yourself in the middle. The problem is we only have that circle. And we don't try to influence anybody outside of ourselves. I just want me. I just want it good for me. I just want my life to be good. And we don't draw the second circle, which was family. How can I influence my family? How can I improve the situation? How can I bring order and chaos to their lives? Because we just want them to take care of us. And there's a third circle. And by the time we get to that third circle, we can reach more of the community than you even know. When we draw that third circle, and that third circle has our co-workers in it, our literal physical neighbors in it, it has the people that we're in the store with, it has all of these community members in it, our circles begin to overlap and we are no longer just one person anymore. We become the body of Christ. Imagine with me a world where we all live as Christ lived. I ask you to imagine a house where everybody lives just trying to bring order to people. Just trying to bring some love to people. Not in our own strength, because that's just going to be you yelling at people. That's me. But through God's strength, through His love, we can do that. Imagine if we all started to live like Christ. Loving God. Loving people. And taking time to make God real in our lives and making God real in the lives of others. Let's pray, and I, we've got time, so I, w- I want to give you an opportunity to reflect on this, to pray for this, um, to pray over this, either where you are. Um, but I think, I think it's important that we take a little bit of time out, and we can ponder these things, we can pray over these things, and maybe just say, God, I cannot do it myself. I cannot fix this world. I can't even fix my family. I can't even fix myself. I need you and your spirit. Let's pray. Jesus, truly you are the door. If anyone enters by you, he will be saved and will again have access to the right relationship with God. We know that the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy, to bring emptiness, chaos, and confusion. But you came that we might have life and have it to the full. We know that through you, Lord, what was chaotic and empty will be useful and full. What was dysfunctional will become functional. What was darkness will be light. What was wasted will have meaning and purpose again. And what was void will become valid. And we know that your spirit is hovering even now. And we pray in the next few minutes, Holy Spirit, that you begin to move and speak into our lives even now. Just take a minute. Continue.